Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. You're listening to Cajun Catholics, featuring outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana. I'm your host, Todd Citron, and today's guest is Father Dan Edwards of St. Jules Church. Father, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Todd. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, what I would like to do, I'd like to start off with some scripture quotes before I go into my talk. I think it's always important to remember that as Christians, we need to base our life in the Word of God. And God's Word gives us the strength we need to endure any hardship or joy that we may experience in life so that we can have the fullness of God's life in our life and not be afraid to be prophetic and be a witness of our faith to others. Amen. So the first one I want to bring is from John 3.16. Everybody should know that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but may have eternal life. So God's will for us is to live forever with him in his divine love, to share in his divine life. And Paul says in Romans 8.28, And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him who are called to his purpose. So when we love God, no matter what cross we have to endure in life, God takes that cross and turns it towards our good for a purpose he has planned for us. And we have to just surrender and trust to that plan. Remember, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. He empowers us with the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes who we are. It changes our perspective as an individual. It takes us from being cowards to being men and women who are bold and no longer afraid. It takes us from the upper room after the death of Jesus where the apostles were afraid, even though they were being consoled by the Blessed Mother who was with them. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they no longer were afraid. They're no longer were afraid by their genetics, by their limitations, because God's Spirit is awesome. He gives us an ability to do things and no longer be concerned about our reputations or how others are going to perceive us, because we are more concerned about doing God's will above everything else. To do God's will, there's one requirement we must have. Accept Jesus as our Savior be open to the gift of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, so we can get God's anointing upon us, and then learn to show mercy, to be forgiving, to forgive those who have forgiven us. Remember Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive the transgressions that have been brought against you, then your heavenly Father will forgive your transgressions. So, with this new mindset in place, we have to be men and women who are merciful, men and women who are forgiving of each other. And we cannot be afraid to witness our faith. You know, we, we live in a Facebook society where we put our images on Facebook and we want everybody to say, look how wonderful their life is. And we don't want anybody to see our weakness. We don't want anybody to see our vulnerability because we are afraid about our reputations of what the world's gonna say about us. But when you become a Christian, you no longer live under those confines. When you become a Christian, you just want to witness the truth of how Jesus changes us. 
so that we can be set free to love the way God wants us to love, so that we can have the hope that one day we will indeed be in eternal life. So what I would like to do now is share my personal story with you. And when I look at my personal story, I realize how blessed I am, how lucky I have been. I would think that most people who have gone through what I have gone through, in fact, I know many who have gone through less, and they pretty much have lost their way. The pain they endured was so great that they could not overcome it because they didn't cling on to Jesus the way they needed to. We only can get through difficult times and grow in our suffering if we give it to Jesus. Father Dan, I want to just say, when I first was introduced to you, I came to Mass at St. Jules on a weekday, and I saw you come by uh, the, 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 the pew in your, in your scooter, and the cape was flying, and I'm like, holy cow, I didn't know what I was in for, and I watched you go by, and I, I was just so intrigued, and you know, you got this town turned upside down right now. You're on fire, and everyone around you is talking about you, and I, I want to hear your story, and I just want to throw in that. That's when I was introduced to you. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Well, all glory goes to God because he got me through all of it. Um, you know, I was the last of six children. Um, me too. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother, give me that one. All right, right. And I was born in Opelousas and uh, came from a very good family. But like all families, we are all broken because of our sin. I was born with a disease that was brought about um, from uh, the navel cord not being cut correctly, sterilized, and therefore I was very septic and I should not have lived. But as God wills, I did. Uh, in fact, I think I was one of the first babies ever brought to Oshner's in New Orleans back in the 1957 to get a blood transfusion, which saved my life. And that's why I was baptized the day after I was born by Father Capra. Um, the brain damage came from that. It affected my motor ability. So therefore, I had difficulty in learning um, um, as I grew in school. Um, and the doctors told my parents there was a good chance that I would be mentally handicapped most of my life. But there was a small percentage that at teenage period, I would, my brain would reroute itself and I would be able to come out of it and have a normal development as a young adult. Um, this would weigh heavily on my family because, you know, when you have six kids, it's a lot of stress. My father was an attorney, a very good and holy man who went to church faithfully. My uncle was a priest. My mother was a good Cajun girl from Raceland, um, loved her husband, loved her family. But like all families, stress comes in. And my grandfather was living at the house at that time, and he was very sickly. My dad, when I understood, was having financial problems, and it was a struggle. And what happens was, when I was six first, I was raped by a, a neighbor. And to this day, I cannot forget the smell and what happened to me. I still think about it once mm -hmm. in a while. But God gave me the grace to forgive and overcome that. And then when I was seven, unfortunately, um, my father comes into um, our bathroom and he attempts to drown me. I don't un didn't understand at the time what was going on in his life uh, because he was such a holy man and why he engage in this activity and as an adult with wisdom I'll look back at it and I just assume it was because he was under such stress but right when he I was about to pass out from being drowned what did my father do he stopped and why did he stop 
because his faith kicked in. His spirit overcame his flesh. And if he had not been a man of great faith and sanctity, I wouldn't be here today. That's hard to talk about, but I want to witness that truth because I want people to know how my father got through his difficulties and how he grew in sanctity. And I'll tell you more about our story in a little bit. Um, after that happened, um, I was in school and there was this particular nun because I had been abused and I, I didn't know how to explain this to people. Um, she would follow me into the bathroom all the time <laughs> because I would put my hands over my private part because I didn't want anybody to touch me there anymore. And what occurred was that um, she gave me so much stress, she would actually watch me use the bathroom. And I had it in the second and third grade. And the stress from that was so great that in the third grade I get a, um, a bleeding ulcer. Well, in the fourth grade, I finally get away from her, and I started getting these tumors on my right foot, which later I experienced on my left foot, where when you saw me in the, the wheelchair, mm -hmm. the scooter. And it was just a genetic disorder, and I went through quite a few surgeries. Um, the tumors came back, and what they, they wanted to do radiation on my foot, but the Dr. Palmer from Lafayette said, no, he's going to be a big man. We cannot do that to him. So they tried something radical, and it worked. When the tumor came back the third time, they, did, uh, they tied me to a, a, a table in the doctor's office back in those days, and two people held me down, and they took a needle and shot it into the tumor with chemo, and by the grace of God, even though I screamed for about 30 minutes, it did kill the tumors in my right foot, and they never came back. After that happened, someone else began to sexually abuse me. And I wanted to go to my parents about it, because, but what had happened with me and my father, I, I just couldn't trust. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to trust, you know, because I didn't have the, the, the spiritual maturity to understand how to address this issue in my life. And so I decided to go to my pastor because my uncle was a priest. I thought I would go to my pastor. I could trust him. Well, he ended up sexually abusing me. And at that point, I became very angry at everybody. I became very angry at God. I began to smoke pot. I began to drink too much alcohol. I began to get in fights. And the next thing I knew, I was being stabbed in a fight in Lafayette at 19 years old, and I almost died from it. When that occurred, quite naturally, I went back to praying and asking God to help me to be a better person. And I was blessed with a, a certain type of faith that even though all these authority figures in my life had done me harm, I always felt safe going to Jesus. He was the one place I could go to and the one person I could talk to who would not harm me. And so instead of being angry at God in that sense, at least in the person of Jesus and his mother Mary, I felt secure talking to them. And I developed a relationship with the Lord as a result of that. After the hepatitis and almost dying from that, as ironically, it was Dr. Parmentier who saved me again from the stabbing. And he told me, he says, um, Dan, that's what my name at the time before I became a priest. He says, son, I don't think you, you know how lucky you are. He says, that guy went with a knife inside your back that was six inches long. And he cut you in the back six and a half inches wide. And he said, as a surgeon, if I had done that, I would have killed you instantly. And he says it was a true miracle that you were saved. 
Wow. Well, after that happened, I realized I maybe I need to really stay close to God from this point <laughs> forward. <laughs> I mean, God's got a plan for you. <laughs> so um, I go back to school, and um, what happens is I'm going to LSUE, and I come home one day, and it's a Friday, and I get violently ill. And I um, go to my parents, and I say, you got to take me to the hospital. I think I'm dying. And they said, okay. So they take me to the hospital, and I get to the hospital, and all weekend long they run blood tests and all kind of x-rays. And um, Dr. Bourgeois, a very good friend of my father, who was a very holy man, comes in Monday morning, and he says, Dan, he says, son, he says, we can't find anything wrong with you. He says, I want you to know I understand, you know, that things have not gone good. You've been stabbed, and I think you're having a psychosomatic um, problem. And your parents are going to come and get you and take you to a psychiatrist to help you out. He says, you need to get dressed right now. So I said, okay, there's nothing wrong with me? And he said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. So he walks out of the room, and I'm putting my pants on. I'm going, well, I guess after being abused, after being stabbed, the doctor says there's nothing wrong with me. I guess I'm freaking crazy on top of everything else. <laughs> and all of a sudden, about 20 minutes later, thinking I'm nuts, Dr. Bourgeois runs back into the, hop, uh, the, the hospital room, and he says, Dan, Dan, he says, get back in bed immediately. Your last blood test came back, and he says, from the blood transfusion you had from your stabbing, you've gotten a severe case of hepatitis, and you're on the verge of death. We just got your test results back in. So the next thing I know, I'm thinking I'm crazy, and all of a sudden these people are coming in with white masks and gloves, oh and they're goodness. bringing me to an isolation ward where I'm in for two months, and Father Jerome Fry, who was living at the time, would come and visit me with all these masks, and he would pray with me and got me to the devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus so that we would just, you know, trust the Lord to get me through this. And I really thought I was going to die at that time. I was not going to make it. And so I got really close to God, and I promised God, hey, if you're curing me, maybe one day I'll be a priest, you know? <laughs> uh, quite naturally, I did not keep that vow in the beginning. Well, finally, I, I come out of it, and I'm praying at the Carmelite convent one day, uh, I had switched over to UL after I had gotten better. And I'm thinking about the abuse. And I hear that this priest was abusing, my pastor was abusing someone else. And I said, God, you got to give me the courage to stop this. This has to come to an end in the church. So I called this particular person who was the vicar general, and I reported to him. And he said he would check with the, my pastor. I called back the next day, and he says I was lying that the pastor says I was lying. And I said, okay. I said, he says, I, can I see the bishop? And he says, no, I'm not going to allow you to see the bishop. I said, oh, crap. Okay. That's terrible. Yeah, it was bad. It was a bad incident. So what happens was I remember at that time the Gothe case was going on, so I called um, Deet Stanley at Channel 10, and I went to him, and I wanted to go public with everything only if the bishop would not see me. So the next day... They told me they would back me and they would not go public with my story until um, I had found out whether the bishop was going to allow me to be in his office and tell them my story. So I go to the, um, I call the, this, the vicar general again and he says, what do you want? And he would patronize me. I would say, my name is Dan. He would call me, kept on calling me Danny. I said, that's not my name. My name is Dan, but that's just the way he was. God bless him. And um, so finally um, I said, well, I said, 
if you don't allow me to see the bishop, I'm going to go to Deet Stanley. I've already talked to him. I'm going to go public with my story. So I leave the Carmelite, I, I, I leave a Lafayette coming from school that day, go back to the Carmelite convent, ask God for a sign. And this lady walks in, did I do the right thing? And this lady walks in, she says, St. Teresa told me to give you these two flowers that I just picked out for you. I don't know why, but I'm giving them to you. So I knew I had done the right thing. When I get home, my, um, my dad and mom are waiting for me. And um, they are, sure enough, they are um, backing me 100%. Just to back up a little bit, one time um, I, okay, just to back up a little bit, my parents, when they found out that I had been abused, they backed me up a great time. So let me just kind of accelerate the whole story very quick. Um, the day before I got ordained, this particular person calls me and says, well, um, are you praying? And I said, yes. They had appointed him the the head of the diocese between bishops. And he made this derogatory comment to me, and I just hung up, and I was not going to be a priest. I decided I was going to back out. I was going to tell my parents the next morning. Well, I had an out-of-body experience with a dream that night where I, I was taken out of my body, in my spirit, brought between the moon and the earth, and Jesus was standing to my left, but there was like a frosted door between us. I could see his image, but not the beauty of, of his glory. And he began to speak to me, and I said, Lord, I don't want to go back into my body. And I remember when I left my body and my spirit, it was like everything was pristine and new. It's like It was like newness is perpetual in the room of the spirit when you're free from sin. And I said, I don't want to go back. And Jesus says, no, you have to do something for a little while. And he says, when you do it, then you can come back and be with me. Then he showed me a big table down there. And there was Pope John Paul II and all the bishops and priests saying mass with me, with him. And there was one spot. And Jesus says, you got to go into that spot for a little while. And when you finish doing it, you can go back into your body, go back into your body, wake up, and you get ordained. And that's exactly what happened. I went back into my body. I remember flying through the clouds. That's why I skydived today. <laughs> and I went back into my body. I woke up, and I got ordained. Well, later on, I get sick again several other times. Finally, um, my father dies. We reconcile. He comes to me, asks for my forgiveness, what he had done when I was seven. I had hold resentment towards him, but he asks in humility for my forgiveness. And therefore, I had to show forgiveness to him. He was a good, holy man, and I was lucky to have him as my father, despite that one incident. Then, after that, my mother dies years later. And then I have been going through all these years, 17 years of these other tumors on my left foot, all this radiation, all this getting septic oh, over five times. Finally, last year, I go skydiving in Houston, and I can't get out the plane. They bring me back down, and I can't pick my legs up. I have fever to 104. I finally take a trip on my antibiotics, get to back home to Lafayette, call my doctor, he sees him the next morning. I walk into his office, and he says, Father, I know you don't want to hear this, but he says, you are dying. You have a less than a week to live. He says, you're so septic, it's unbelievable. If you don't have an amputation tomorrow morning, you're not going to make it. And I said, Doc, I'm tired. I said, I'm ready to die. This is just too much. He says, I said, how painful will it be to die? And he says, the last two days, you'll be screaming nonstop. So I went home, cried three hours too chicken to do that, to die that way, and had the operation. After the operation, I had another pick line into my body. I come back home. I have a horrible fall in the bathroom. Right where the amputation's at, it splits open and blood squirts everywhere. 
And I went to go grab my shotgun to blow my brains out. And I literally heard a voice, don't do it. You're a priest. People will not understand. And that's when I just cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, bring this to an end. I cannot take it anymore. Well, two days later, I get a phone call from Sydney, Australia, for this operation that I had where they amputated the rest of my the lower part of my leg and where they did osseal integration. And I go with my brother, Tom, the New Orleans. The doctor from Australia happened to be there. He accepted me, and I had to fly 10,000 miles away from Louisiana to Australia to Sydney to have the operation. By yourself. By myself, all by myself. Finally, when I'm there, I remember the night before the surgery, I knew my health was not good, and there was, a, there was a, like a 50-50 chance I would not make it through the operation. I even told my doctor, if I die, please keep my body here until my nephews came. And I remember going to my room that night and saying to Jesus, I said, Jesus, I said, please, please do not let me die. <sighs> 10,000. <000. sighs> miles away from home without anybody <laughs> around me who loves me. That was the hardest thing. And I heard him tell me, he says, Dan, in the end, it's just me and you. It was like, you can trust people, but people have limits to what they can do. In the end, you can only put your trust in me. And I just surrendered to him completely that night and put my trust in him. And the next morning, I went to surgery. I didn't do well in surgery, but I got through it. And then I was in a coma after. And they called my family and they said, he's in a coma, but we think he's going to wake up in the next 24 hours. And I did. And I woke up in ICU and I looked down and I wasn't upset that my leg was gone and I had a rod sticking out of where my, my, my stump was at. Hmm. All I could think about was like, thank you, God. I have a catheter in me. Where's the Coke and where's the morphine drip? <laughs> <laughs> God is good. And within, within one year, it's only been one year. May 2nd was one year. And within one year, my life totally changed. I went from being basically crippled in a wheelchair for 17 years to being a licensed skydiver that has 165 jumps now. I, I can just basically do anything. I have no more pain. I'm off all main pain medication. The Lord Jesus literally gave me a mini resurrection. And I think the only reason why he allowed me to experience that was to witness the power of who he is and the glory that is waiting for us who love and trust in him. The little resurrection I had is just a small sample of the great resurrection we are all going to experience if we die in friendship with Jesus. And that's what it's about. It's about our love for Jesus who teaches us how to be open to the love of the Father so that we can be transformed by the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, so that we can be the true children of God our Father and live the two great commandments, to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we live like that and we forgive each other our transgressions, guess what happens? We are set free. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. 
if this wasn't on the air, my life would be complete just just sitting here and having the privilege to hear that story. I knew bits and pieces, but my God, I mean, to have the tragedy you had at 19 years old, I don't think anybody could bear in their entire life the, the tragedies you had. I know you were close with your mom, and that's about when I had come into the scene. Very close. That's a funny story. Yes. Tell, tell us that story about when uh, you were you were praying and, and saying, God, please give me a sign she's in heaven. Remember you told that story uh, in a homily about you had a tele tele uh, uh, prompter call you. I can tell the story because I remember it well. Right. Yeah, I know, Father, you're you're on fire. My goodness, uh, you had said that your mom, um, you you were praying so hard, just give me a sign that she's in heaven. And and um, and at that moment that you were really in in deep prayer and desperation, that the phone rang. And it was a telemarketer, and they asked for your mom. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what, yes, I remember that now. Yes, yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you always do in Mass that, that has always caught my attention is in the intentions. You always say, um, you know, please never let us lose any one of our family and let us come to know Christ. What's, what's with that? Why, why, why that? Because that's what love does. Yeah. Love wills the good of everybody not mm-hmm. just our own will to be to have eternal life. If you are a true Christian, you want everybody to go to heaven. Even those that have hurt you, you want them to go to heaven, and you want to ask forgiveness of those that you have hurt so that they will forgive you, and you go to heaven. We all go to heaven because that's where we belong. We belong with God our Father. We belong with Jesus. We belong with the Holy Spirit. We are made in his image and likeness. And we'll never be complete until we are in the, the, the perfect beatific vision of God, then we will be whole forever. We just have about a minute left on the show. You're listening to Cajun Catholics with Father Dan Edwards. It's just a privilege, Father, for you to be here, uh, for me to be here with you. And, um, and you've inspired so many. I, I can't, your reach is phenomenal. You know, you're the head of the, the Cajun Catholic Army unofficially and uh and i just can't wait to see what the future lies you know i went to mass with father dan a couple of weeks ago on a sunday and the entire church uh uh gave him an ovation after homily i've never seen that happen it was it was so inspiring but it's been such a blessing and uh what's what's for what's in your future one day at a time one day at a time i'll be getting my b skydiving license next week and then i'll be working on my c license that's my fun part because it reminds me of that out-of-body experience I had with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like I told you a few minutes ago, I want to do the halo jump where you jump from 35,000 feet. And so I'm looking forward to that. It's called my leap of faith in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I have to ask this question. When you jump out of the plane, do you, are you praying? I mean, are you okay? It's like a... I'm always praying. <laughs> I mean, that's, Angel yeah. of God, my guardian dear, to whom his love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard and keep my parachute safe and sound. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, any, uh, do we know, are you having any moves? Is there, there, are you going to be at St. Jules? We don't know that? I or? have no idea. No, don't know. I have no okay. idea. Yeah. You know, my story's a little different because I'm, you know, I am handicapped and I live in my home because of my foot. And everything's handicapped. Sure. Accessible there. It makes it my life a lot easier. All my equipment's out there to work out with my handicap. So I'll see. I'll talk to the bishop. All right. If you haven't been to uh, St. Jules Church, find your way there. It's been so inspiring in my life, and I want to thank Father Dan because you've inspired so many others. But certainly you've been such a blessing in my life. It's been just a a real uh, pleasure to know you. Thank you, Todd. And I I will follow your lead, hopefully, all the way to heaven. 
You've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Uh, we feature outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana. Father Dan is the man. Uh, and I want to thank you again for being on the show. I love you, Father Dan. Love you too, my brother. Okay. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.